Six months from now, state and local governments will have tired of being the COVID cops, putting people out of work while being yelled at for it. The U.S. is going to handle this long term by letting individual citizens and businesses manage their risks as desired and becoming accustomed to whatever the virus is doing. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Alex Kaufman, Wintry Mix, Odds of Skiing, Early May Edition. We've learned quite a bit in a month. There's good news, there's bad news, there's clarity, and there's fog. Most of all, there's a society being tested beyond anything we can remember and a person in charge at the national level who's more apt to pour gasoline on flames and pit states against their governors than reach for solutions or seek out informed counsel. So that's all very exciting, right? Before I get to the current scenarios, I want to remind that this podcast is not normally like this. Launched in 2015 in partnership with Vermont Public Radio and relocated to Colorado in 2019, Wintry Mix is Skiing's Variety Show featuring a blend of audio formats and locales, focusing on a broad swath of ski and mountain culture, except for interviewing pro skiers. I let all the other podcasts do that one. Well over 215,000 downloads to date and hundreds of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, go add another one. Scroll the archive before your next neighborhood walk, and thanks to Ten Barrel Brewing and Bojo's Pizza for their support. I have great sound from Powderhorn near Grand Junction. That'll be a regular episode once these odds pods aren't the jam anymore. In early April, I introduced you to three characters, Rosie, John, and Chad. Rosie was the back-to-normal quick scenario that never really had a prayer, but a month ago, many were still fooling themselves on Team Rosie. Even Altera did it with the Icon Pass for a few days before embracing John by the end of launch week. Chad was the next season is a total loss because of the virus guy, and thankfully he's generally toast as well. Sort of. Most ski areas that are willing to adjust their operations will have some ability to offer a form of skiing at unknown intervals next season. John was the middle ground of yes, there will be skiing, but it'll be weird and challenging, and in this episode we're going to meet John's kids. They vary. And I'd like to thank the hundreds of members of the new podcast Facebook group named COVID versus Ski Business for helping me process this latest outlook. Join if you live or work in the business of winter. The early April edition of Odds of Skiing ranked Rosie 15%, John 60%, and Chad 25%. The May odds are 80% John and his kids. One grew up to be a rugged individualist and is well-positioned to manage through the coming storm. The other built broad empires dependent on larger swaths of the national and local economy, which will now be faced with tougher choices. But John and his kids deliver us some skiing and are now 80% of my outlook, and will ponder many of their coming challenges. So what is the other new 20% in the mix? His name is Beavis. He's sort of like Chad was, but for a very different reason. He's the scary societal unknown when your country is poorly battling a global death machine while being led by a character from an old MTV cartoon with three years of governmental destruction under his belt. 
It's increasing food shortages. It's the supply chains breaking down. It's the postal service collapsing. It's looting. Basic day-to-day needs become the pure focus and civil unrest balloons. It's nonstop waves of virus because Hannity says it's the flu and red states have to follow those orders and let her rip. It's ever-increasing pandemic anarchy delivered by a president and hollowed-out administration willing to butcher an election and let the virus roll if they surmise it's killing mostly minorities. None of that will be good for John's kids. And none of us have lived through this sort of strain on the basic functions of American society. We don't know how bad it can be torched. But we do know tourism and leisure activities won't prosper in a failed state at war with itself, afraid of an invisible sickness. And we've got six months to watch Beavis play with all these matches. But let's look down that potential sewer pipe later. First, we're going to go back to assuming that we have a quasi-functioning society next fall and meet John's kids. Yay, 80% shot of that. Makes me sleep well for sure. But who am I to be putting these betting odds on our future? I spent a decade running the PR and or marketing at resorts in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and Oregon within American Skiing Company, Boyne, and Powder Corp. That was after years as a dirt ski bum in Vail, a sponsored athlete in the half pipes of 20 years ago, and before five years teaming with Jeff and Rooster to get Ski to East out of their basement. Now, I live near Denver with the wife and kids. The real job is in nationwide affordable housing, which is also a COVID shit show. but let's get back to the topic. The main reason John's kids goes from 60% to 80% is because, in my opinion, There's no way in hell there will be long-term, large-scale lockdowns or travel restrictions, regardless of the state of the virus, by next fall and especially winter. Many Americans would rather accept thousands of daily deaths than be banned from farting on a cracked pleather booth at Applebee's. The fastest way to be a MAGA folk hero is to defy your governor's public health guidelines, whether they are in line with the federal guidelines or not. And we all watched it happen in Bethel, Maine last week at a brew pub that I won't name, So much more of that is coming nationwide. And Beavis will keep encouraging the anti-distancing protesters and domestic terrorists because they have red hats. Another factor is that we saw Baldy open and make a go at a 10% capacity operation. Plenty of other small to medium mountains that serve local populations will be able to do similar if they want, regardless of COVID happenings. So they'll be skiing, mostly because we're comparatively bad at this pandemic response thing, And all levels of government will lose their teeth on the topic over time as the population moves to valuing normalcy over public health. Thankfully, some of the citizenry will be halfway decent at distancing in their day-to-day. Another chunk will take pride in public displays of defiance and shout hoax when directed, which will all be very fun. The simplest way to slice and dice John's kids is by skier visit. Less than 100,000 per year? Then you likely don't rely on a bed base. You likely serve a local population. You are not part of a mega-season pass, this entire thing doesn't throw you much at all, and your impact to operation will be vastly less than the large destination resorts. You'll be cleaning things more, maybe setting a daily cap or using a reservation system. Food service might be different, but whatever local restaurants are doing will work for you. You can wait until closer to the season to figure out the proper product mix. Most of your staff that run the joint already live nearby and can roll with the punches. I'll call you Smalls. At the other end of the spectrum is Biggie. More than 300,000 visits per year, all the way up to the top. You might be on a mega-season pass. Maybe people fly to you. Maybe you are served by airlines currently trying to pull out of your airport. 
You need to onboard a larger staff who might not be local. Good chance you need the surrounding hospitality and lodging sector to be well-functioning, whether you own it or not. You likely need swaths of city dwellers to travel to your mountain hamlet. If you're East Coast, you also have a big snowmaking budget. If overnight lodging is not a popular thing next season, and you are running a bare-bones staff, but your mega-pass guests were sold a fully open mountain, which way are you going to bend? You could renegotiate with pass holders to justify your mountain running 6 out of 30 lifts, or somehow run 30 lifts for a 20% day-tripping crowd. What if you want to launch a day product tailored to the new reality that undercuts that pass? Right now, you are selling a full-price product, assuming you will be open or closed. I don't know how you right-size that later to whatever you are actually offering, which might be partially open bare-bones style to a much smaller guest pool. I'm sure you'll figure it out, though Ski Patrol still sounds pretty hard. Between 100,000 and 300,000 visits are mountains with a bit of both Biggie and Smalls, so whatever. But Biggie has another concern. They are going to, and not because they want to, become their de facto local government, making life and death calls that they have never had to make before. Six months from now, state and local governments will have tired of being the COVID cops, putting people out of work while being yelled at for it. The U.S. is going to handle this long term by letting individual citizens and businesses manage their risks as desired and becoming accustomed to whatever the virus is doing. In that environment, Biggie is going to choose to open and do their level best with distancing efforts while their surrounding communities tear each other's faces off with the public health versus economic freedoms debate. Ski areas will need to decide how much COVID they can stomach being responsible for in their communities. Most will decide to operate and become some level of travel magnets with predictable consequences. It'll be horrible, but yeah, we'll get used to it. Thankfully, Biggie will get to watch this uncomfortable scenario unfold ahead of time because Las Vegas, because gambling, because summer vacation. Summer vacation, and even more so, destination gambling will provide crucial data to destination skiing. Vegas is going to welcome the human guinea pigs from all over America well before skiing is forced to decide its acceptable death rates. Sounds horrible, but thank God we don't have to go first. And all ski towns will be much more prepared with testing and mitigation protocols than when things shut down in March. So let's take that as our win. So that's my 80% outlook. We'll have skiing. It'll be a modest pain in the neck for Smalls and a comprehensive overhaul for Biggie with a side dish of being forced to play God with the lives of your visitors, staff, and residents while becoming the target of disdain from both the public health and economic freedom rabble-rousers. Oh, the Icon and Epic passes. My guess is that they're just collecting as much revenue as possible now, knowing full well they might need to overhaul the products later if operations are shrunken but still technically open. Money now is better than maybe money later. I'm frankly unconcerned about these products. Maybe they'll be applicable, maybe not, but they'll get tailored to reality one way or another. If you can afford them, buy them. They make skiing more likely, and they pay the salaries of our people. You are feeding kids with these passes, so buy them and hope. Looking for a long-term rental in a ski town? Good timing. You'll have plenty of choices as the Airbnb market stays collapsed for a while. Running a Gear shop? Perhaps diversify from snow sports to more daily needs and or maybe get a pizza oven and sling slices from the front door. All right, Beavis, 20% chance. 
And I really didn't want to talk about Beavis, but y'all pay me to tell my truth, and this is what I see as the alternative to enjoyable skiing at Biggie and Smalls. This country has been making some questionable choices compared to other advanced nations, just as it did in denying the virus existed for the three months head start we had to prepare. The growing angst of public health versus economic freedoms is only going to get worse as the U.S. decides to reopen itself near the peak of infections and deaths without comprehensive testing or tracing. We're the hold my beer country. Hey, Sweden, let's, let's party. Come on. Governors that are attempting to put public health in front of economic freedoms, even for just a few extra weeks, are being threatened by armed mobs and being cheered on by the president and thus 40% of the country. Governors are buying tests from South Korea and then hiding them from the federal government so they don't get Kushnered and given out as favors to others. Fauci is being blocked from testifying to Congress, and HHS staff who tried to inform and equip the U.S. are being fired. We sent 18 tons of PPE to China in February because science is not MAGA. This sort of conflict versus reality will be increasing, and a significant portion of the population will not acknowledge any amount of death or health system impact, but they will brandish weapons toward their state officials trying to clean up our denialist federal mess, and they will succeed in making reopen regardless of spread, standard GOP and federal policy. Maybe that'll be okay. We do need to get back to work. I want a haircut too. I'd like to see my family in Vermont, but maybe it won't be okay. We don't know. But it's where we're going regardless of public health or society's best interest, and it's super risky because we spent years, then crucial months, destroying our pandemic response capacities, forcing us into the guinea pig slash hold my beer plan. How will we know we've got Beavis coming? The food supply gets worse and worse. You think this summer's crop will be picked and delivered well with a fresh ban on immigrants? Commerce and bulk transport as we've known it devolves and hoarding's the norm. There's right-wing AR-15 attacks and MAGA hats against doctors and nurses, and death threats of them for sure. Hospitals run out of PPE in the next waves while certain states just let the virus rip. Medical professionals just start quitting instead of dying. The fact that oil is worthless causes who the hell knows what. Massive frontline worker strikes, attempts to cancel or invalidate the election after all of Beavis's dictator bros fuck with it. Yeah, they'll cheat, it'll be public, and that'll be their reason to cancel it. Sounds good to Fox, buckle up. We're up against some unprecedented threats, and we're being led by those who don't consider consequences beyond their own or beyond a news cycle. So we might be in for extra consequences. We are still early in this challenge, and there's a non-zero chance that we simply fail it and head down a very self-destructive path. There's no guarantee of success or even rule of law continuity. This national territory simply isn't charted. Beavis gets 20% odds, and it's basically not enough people want to ski because daily needs of life aren't available consistently because we elected people promising to break our system of government without concern for consequences, and they succeeded at that during a public health crisis. Thankfully, right now, this is only 20% odds in my imaginary book, and we'll see how it looks in a month. Sorry that 20% of this got political, but you want my odds, and there they are. And yeah, our political choices and how the public deals with governmental guidelines will have a lot of bearing on what the next three months to three years looks like for skiing, tourism, and your ability to buy food or go to the dentist. All indications are that nations able to muster cohesive national responses do better than those pitting armed citizens against governors via Twitter 
while saying you're on your own for PPE and testing. But I'm holding out hope, and strong 80% hope, that our state-level responses will be adequate enough in spite of ongoing federal sabotage to deliver us Biggie and Small's next season. Oh, but wait. You want something that's 100%? I got something. Powder days will last a lot longer next season. Think about it. One other positive spin is that we didn't lose last winter and may not lose next winter. The timing of this extended clusterfuck, if it can abate enough, was actually better for winter tourism than summer tourism. Skiing has survived winters with no snow and buckets of ill-timed rain. I'm 80% confident it can weather this storm too. It would be 100% without that wildcard Beavis setting off national butt-crack fireworks for the next six months. I'll put out another COVID betting odds, when facts on the ground warrant, or in early June. And I fully expect May to be halfway encouraging, because April was quarantine month. Trailing data means June is our next potential O-shed. Follow at Wintry Mixcast on Instagram or Twitter for updates. Join the COVID versus Ski Business Facebook group if you'd like to keep a pulse on how mountain communities are navigating this spot. The pod voicemail is 802-560-5003, and I welcome your predictions Smalls is in good shape, Biggie has a lot of prep work and soul searching to do, and Beavis is drunk behind the wheel in a blizzard with all of us in the backseat. Stay tuned for After the Beat. Goodbye. My name is Derek. I'm from Denver. Your last podcast got the class warrior in me fired up. So my prediction for mountain towns, resort towns, is a further oligarchy of rich upper class carpetbaggers cleaning up real estate, consolidating businesses, and uh, making it less accessible for normal people. That's all I got. Thank you for what you do. If your buddy wrecked your car and it's taking your mechanic an extra few weeks to fix it because your buddy threw the parts in the river and sent armed mobs to your mechanic's house, you can yell at your mechanic to fix that shit all you want to varying levels of success. But your buddy did this to you. Join the COVID versus Ski Business Facebook group if you'd like to keep a pulse on how mountain communities are navigating this spot. The pod voicemail is 802 Oh, Jesus. People taking dumps, messing me up. Friggin' house.